When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Welcome to Jumping Bomb Audio. And welcome back to Jumping Bomb Audio, the number one show all about the world of Joshi Pro Wrestling. My name is Taylor, and I am back again this week and joined by the man who went it alone last time. Uh, very, I, for some reason, I'm thinking honorably, but honorably is not the word. Uh, very, you did very well last time out Valiant all by one? yourself. It's valiantly, yes, thank you. Uh, it's Kelly. Kelly, hi, it's good to be back with you again. It's good to be back. Uh, we we almost had some special guests this week. Uh, on Friday, I had a bunch of birds trying to break into my house. Oh, trying, how, through the windows or the doors? Uh, so, it turned out that, like, there's a panel of wood on the side of the house that there's some, like, I think it's internet lines anchored to, and I guess some wind kind of tried to pry them from the house, so there's a little extra little space between that wood and the house, and so some birds were like, hey, we should go in here. 
So at one point, I go and look out the window, and on that line that is attached to the house, there is a line of like seven or eight birds just waiting their turn to try and get in while one's doing whatever. So I open the window to try and scare them off. And then I'd pop open the screen to just kind of take a look at it. And then just ants start pouring in like it's a nightmare. And I realize, oh, this is what the birds wanted not to actually get in the house. They wanted the ants that decided they were going to live there. So I just raided the shit out of them, closed the window back up. And uh, now we're all good because they're all dead. The ants, not the birds. The ants, yeah. The birds are gone. They, they They fucked off to go do whatever. What kind of birds are we talking here? Starlings, morning doves, sparrows. Oh, okay. Not like ravens and crows. No, it was a, it was a variety of just random backyard birds. I see. I should say it is now October and this is Jumping Bomb Audio episode number 66. Oh, it's a spooky number. Pretty appropriate. Uh so I thought I don't know, maybe you had some ravens, some spooky ravens for Maybe the spooky season. But so I don't have a ladder tall enough to fix that panel of wood on the side, so we're going to have to have someone come out and do it. But for a quick fix, I took the ladder that we did have, climbed up as tall as I could on it. Uh then I took a crutch and just whacked that panel of wood until it was pretty much back in place. Interesting. Kelly's I home find... improvement tips. Yeah, I find home improvement story so fascinating because i have living in an apartment i have none of those stories (laughs) uh that doesn't exist if something goes wrong i call someone and i'm like look get over here and take care of this yeah life hack uh whack your house with a crutch and it'll fix it well there you go we start off with some great life advice life hacks from kelly before we jump into the episode we got to do the plugs as always follow us on twitter at J-Bomb Audio. I think Kelly will be tweeting some of his thoughts from some shows this week on that account. So I will. make sure to give that a follow. Or you can follow just Kelly himself, at Comic Geek Kelly. And you can follow me, at Tay Mambo, on Twitter. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And if that place happens to be Apple Podcasts, we'd really appreciate a five-star rating and review and if you're feeling extra generous you can donate to the so the show at redcircle.com slash shows slash jumping dash bomb dash audio so let's get right into it we will be reviewing the recently occurring stardom five-star grand prix finals show we will be talking a little about stardom in showcase volume two and we will be previewing Tokyo Joshi's biggest show of the year, Wrestle Princess 3, which is coming up next weekend. So getting right into it, Stardom, October 1st, the five-star Grand Prix finals from the Mushashino Forest Sports Plaza in front of a, a great number, 2,543 fans. I guess I will start. Usually I ask Kelly's opinion first. Uh, I will start and I will say I watched uh, every five-star Grand Prix match from this year. It was a very good tournament, a very solid tournament, but I must admit 
that I am now exhausted. Uh, and I believe Kelly, I believe you're in a similar boat. Yeah. It's, it's just too much. It's, it's way too much. It is, it is only, I did discover this. I was looking it up. The five-star Grand Prix was only one show longer than New Japan's G1, which I sort of think of as the standard bearer of like long tournaments. Of course, the last two nights of the G1 this year only had a total of three matches, which was the two semifinal matches and the finals on the on the last night. I haven't done a direct one-to-one how many matches there were, but this felt to me just very long, and a lot of this uh, show we're about to go through, some of these matches, I don't have that many thoughts because it was just sort of like brain overload in terms of what just watching, you know, singles matches for a month, a month and a half. Yeah. Straight. Uh, you know, I thought this was a good show, but it was sort of like through the brain fog of me being like, you know, five star Grand Prix out, I guess. There was there was just the point that I reached where I'm like, I want to be doing literally anything else right now. <laughs> I can't watch another singles match. And I have talked about on this show before, I have said this when we talked about the five-star Grand Prix last year and even um, other tournaments that I've talked about. I am not really a huge tournament guy. That's not really what gets me excited about wrestling. Uh, As I've mentioned, I really like variety and it does become very hard for me just to watch over such a long period of time. Essentially, you know, not the same match. I'm not saying all these matches are identical, but they're singles matches. And it's a They're all relatively around the same length you know, the time limit is 15 minutes. So that's the longest it can be. But most of these are probably from eight to 12 minutes long, give or take. And it just starts in my brain. I'm like, I'm just watching the same thing over and over again. There's no variety here. I actually thought the final show had some good variety in terms of results, match lengths, which I thought could have helped some of these sort of smaller quote-unquote house show days where it just felt like it was like here's seven matches they're all gonna go nine minutes and it just felt like oh i'm just iterating watching this yeah so i will say in order to give some of these matches where maybe we have less to say than others give them some spice we will talk about how everyone finished Um, in the five-star Grand Prix. And also we'll do a little thing that I am dubbing, uh, made this up, stardom stock. And we will take the competitors in each match and we will say, during the five-star Grand Prix, did their stock go up or did their stock go down? Pretty straightforward. Buying high, selling low. Yep. Uh, Pushing bull market, bear market. To the moon. Uh, Koguma Market. Uh, there's no bull really character in 
stardom. Nah. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> let's get into it. The first match on the Five Star Grand Prix Finals was Mirai defeating Saeeda in 6 minutes and 57 seconds. Mirai finishing very close to the top of her block with 15 points. Saeeda finishing not so close to the top of her block uh, with uh, 4 points. So... Kelly, any thoughts about the match or any thoughts about these two wrestlers uh, and their tournaments? Uh, so I liked the, I thought it was a strong, beefy opener. Um, Mirai wins most unique submission of the year with just sitting on Ida's head. Like it was an old school playground move right there. I liked that. Uh, Mirai comes out of this tournament per- looking pretty good. She had a good score, 15 points. Uh, Ida did not. Uh, she, I mean, she's not positioned high in the company, obviously, but it. I kind of thought she might be a little higher than four points. But yeah, that's, I guess, I guess that's how it goes with her. It feels to me a bit like, you know, she got injured and her sort of time to move up passed and then she sort of came back and they were like oh yeah Saida uh you know and they do need people in this tournament to lose some matches so other people can win and she seemed like the most logical you know person who isn't a rookie or someone who's so low on the card you know yeah she's not like just muscly waka yet but she's getting there yeah, and it sort of just feels like this is a continuation of since she's come back, it feels like she's sort of booked in this spot of she's fun, I really like her, I thought she had a fun tournament, but it just feels like the company at this point is sort of like, she's fine being a lower card wrestler, which also I think is fine. I have talked about on the show many times before that this company needs people like this who can lose but have some form of cachet. So they're not just people who go out and are like, are like Waka where you just feel like they're a loser. Yeah. Um, They have some bit of cachet to beating them. So it feels like a bigger deal than just saying, Oh, well, yeah, they, they should have won. Um, So I think it was fine. Obviously Mirai is sort of the one of the people of the moment, one of the wrestlers of the moment for stardom. It was sort of interesting, and we'll talk about some of this as we go through um, the different wrestlers, but Mirai very much feels sort of like the wrestler of the moment, like at one point, uh, you know, Himika and Micah felt sort of like the wrestlers of the moment. And I'm interested to see as... We move on, I'm assuming, as probably new people come in at some point, as seems to happen every few months in stardom, whether Mirai is able to sort of stay above water or if she moves into that Himika Mika sort of upper mid-card spot of doesn't get a lot of focus, is still very talented, but sort of is in that spot where I don't really see imminently Himika or Mika winning a singles title, for example. 
Don't know. We will see. I mean, we'll talk about some other people in this tournament who were at one point sort of the hot commodity of the moment and are now absolutely not the hot commodity of the moment. Uh, (laughs) But we will uh, get there in a minute. And by a minute, I mean right now. The next match on this show, Mina Shirakawa finishing with 10 points as she defeats Natsupoi in 7 minutes and 50 seconds. Natsupoi finishing with 12 points. Mina Shirakawa, someone who I think really, it felt like she came in, you know, it was like, is she a good wrestler? We don't know. She's not great. She got better. People were like, oh, yes, 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 she's getting better. Wow, she's getting these opportunities. And now it feels like that moment has passed. And also she's sort of been slotted back into the, it felt like she started as a more comedy-focused wrestler, sort of got out of that a little bit and progressed and has gotten much better in the ring. And now it's sort of come back around full circle to she feels like a comedy wrestler to me again. Uh, she finishes um, third from the bottom in the blue block ahead of Hannon and the previously mentioned Saida. So pretty far down, only 10 points. And it just feels like her and Unagi, who at one point felt like they had momentum, it feels like some of that has been cut off. And she doesn't feel as hot as she once did. Natsupoi is an interesting one, you know, finishing with 12 points, not near the top of the block, uh, in the blue block. I don't know. It's a bit weird to me. It felt like she had momentum. And sometimes in these long tournaments, it can feel like because there were other people that needed to get some focus in this block that she sort of got lost in the shuffle. And I fear that some of that momentum she had from the stuff with Tom and switching to cosmic angels may have slightly, you know, not a terrible tournament, but it feels like some of that has slightly dissipated. I feel like her jump into cosmic angels has cooled her off a lot, but that might just be me. Um, I thought this match rocked. Like, like this was my third favorite match of the show. I just loved the intensity of it. Uh, I thought Mina's the combination of the slap on the top rope to then ripping Natsupoi off the top rope with the dragon screw looked awesome. Like, I don't know. This match really worked for me. I went four stars on it. Uh, I think Mina just... She's a solid mid-carder, so I feel like her positioning in this tournament is pretty okay. I think it's right where she belongs. Uh, Natsupoi, again, I don't know. I feel like she's... Upper mid card, so I guess her positioning just slightly above Mina isn't the worst for her. But yeah, I do think being put into the Tom sidekick role has kind of cooled her off a bit. It it does feel to me, and especially looking at the final standings, I always talk about how there's sort of like this muddle and I've talked about this for a long time, there's sort of this muddle of all these people like in the middle who are, it's like this constant churn where I feel like not enough is happening. And you look at these results and something like, you know, there's 26 wrestlers total 
and like 22 of them, 21 of them finished between five and seven wins. And it just very much, a lot of this feels like, oh yeah, that is sort of the even Steven thing, which I'm not crazy about. And I think also that sort of gave a little bit of the middle of the tournament for me, a bit of, I feel like I was less invested because I felt like there was a lot of, um, sort of like, well, we want everyone, you know, we want as many people involved as late as we can. You know, there was a lot of people who went into this final day with a possibility of winning the block. And so I think the middle, it hurts the middle of the tournament because you're sort of like, well, no one's going to run away. Um, And that will lead me into the next match which is Momo Watanabe defeating Hazuki. Momo Watanabe finishing with 12, Hazuki finishing with 14. I think of all the people that that sort of thing hurt the most, to me, it was Hazuki. She started out, she won the first seven matches. She has the Stardom Twitter account tweeting, oh my God, could it be possible that She goes undefeated. No one has ever gone undefeated in the five-star Grand Prix and then loses five in a row to finish seven and five. She finishes with 14 points, so a solid finish. She essentially finishes tied for third, I guess, even though, you know, three people finish with 15, three people finish with 14. And it just feels like two points, which was that because Hazuki was in the block with Julia, and I think before the tournament started, I think most people were saying, well, Julia's going to win the tournament. I think even when Hazuki was 7-0 and and you're like, wow, amazing. she's doing amazing. She's winning all these matches. I was sitting there going, okay, but Julia can still catch up and probably will still catch up to her and pass her, which is exactly what happens. So I feel like at the end of the day, Hazuki ends on this losing streak and you sort of end it to me with sort of a shrug of the shoulders of like, well, she's right where she was. Even though you had a chance to be like, wow, she's winning all these matches. Like almost to me, if you knew she wasn't going to factor in at the end, I would have had her lose the first five matches and win the last seven because then at least she ends on some factor of she's got some momentum going out of the tournament yeah i mean early on they did have me buying in thinking maybe it was hazuki's year because that the the loss the the win over julia just positioned her well and i thought you know going in she was doing really well so who knows maybe they were going to give her a shot but it wasn't to be um obviously this was julia's tournament um but yeah i do think the back half of the tournament really cooled her off and the loss to Momo wasn't great here. They, uh, I don't know. The match was fine enough, but I'm just so tired of the Momo widow tie stuff. I I guess the cheating kind of protects Suzuki in that loss, but not really. So it was, it was fine. Like I went three stars on this. It was a whatever match. Yeah, the Momo stuff, I think to me, it was sort of an interesting something to do with Momo at the time when it felt like she was just sort of sinking like a stone where 
you know, she had gotten to the finals of the five star last year, but it just felt like there was just really nothing going on with her out, you know, underneath the surface. It was like, okay, this is a fresh coat of paint, but she sort of has turned into that sort of version of Oedo Tai I don't like. I think Oedo Tai sort of moved away from that heavy interference, you know, sort of eye rolly, we're going to use these weapons. It sort of had moved away from that. I thought Oedo Tai, as I talked on the podcast a while back, I was like, this group is dead. They, uh, I don't enjoy watching them. Then, of course, they added Starlight Kid and they were adding you know, Momo joined and I was sort of like, okay, this is interesting. They're now doing this thing where now they have some wrestlers with some clout in this group, but it feels like Momo has got sucked back into that heavy interference place that I just don't enjoy watching. And it just feels a lot to me like a wheel spinning gimmick, a wheel spinning place for Momo. You know, she finishes six and six, perfectly even 12 points you know you just sort of i don't know at this point as a fan a longtime fan of jungle kiona this just sort of feels like ah jungle kiona left she's gone they clearly they you know whoever they is in this moment have decided that momo is not going to be featured is not the person to be at the top of this company, but has the cachet, obviously, of having been very big in this company before. So they can't just like totally brush her aside. So they're like, oh, we'll just sort of do this half-assed thing with her and whatever. Yeah, it doesn't feel like there's a place for Momo in this company anymore. (laughs) Like she just, I don't know. I feel like she'd be better off moving on. Like just, I, I, because I think this is at this point, this is as high as she goes in the company anymore. Like I think being the trios title winner, like she might get an occasional title shot, but I don't think she's ever winning a singles belt again. I mean, and this sort of speaks to, I mean, so many people talk about this with American wrestling, which is that it would be so great to have, another company on this level to be able to, you know, someone like Momo Watanabe to say, okay, I'm not really doing great in this company. And she's still very, very young. She could be around for many years, you know, move to a different company, but that company doesn't really exist. Yes, there is Tokyo Joshi, but Tokyo Joshi feels like a different thing and not a place where people who are like, well, I'm not doing great in stardom. Let me go to Tokyo Joshi. It doesn't feel like an equal move, a one-to-one sort no, of move. No, not at all. Um, I don't know if that's even possible in the next five years that some company would get so big and the company that could take on people like this. You know, you sort of wish, uh, although I've sort of stopped wishing this, you sort of wish that AEW was still using Joshi talent because uh-huh. that could be a place for them to go. But AEW now seems totally uninterested in that. Um, I say uninterested. What I really mean is unknowledgeable 
uneducated about the scene. It's very weird to me that, um, and I've thought this many times, I thought this in the Suzu Suzuki match, which we'll talk about in a little bit, but I think about this when I watch Asuka, I've talked about this. If anyone in the world, if anyone in the U.S. had their finger on the pulse in the slightest in Joshi, to me, Suzu Suzuki, people like Asuka would be over in the U.S. in minutes. Oh, easy. And it really speaks to how there's no one in the U.S. except for like deadlock pro wrestling yeah. which you know i don't want to insult them they're doing great things but they're not a major league big time you know tv no. company if anyone had any smarts i mean these are people to me on the level of like tomohiro ishii keeps showing up in aew and people are like this is amazing i'm like to me, Suzu Suzuki is on that level of like, bring her over. She will have a good match. She will get over. It's very easy. Mm-hmm. And in AEW, you know, Jamie Hayter has gotten over almost against in spite how of what she's they been do booked. with her. <laughs> yeah. And to me, it's just like, bring two Joshi people over, give them 15 minutes on a dynamite or 12 minutes or whatever. And just say Jungle Kiona and Maya Yukihi, two people, I'm just saying them for an example, who have been over to the United States. Who have Put them been out there shows. for 12 minutes. Yeah. Tell them, tell them, go out there and have the best match you can. And I guarantee that people are going to get into it. People get into these terrible AEW women's matches that are like three and one quarter. And they're like, whoa. And they're chanting like, this is awesome. I'm like, Put talented people out there. Have them wrestle for 12 minutes. I'm not asking for eight segments on a dynamite. I'm asking 12 minutes. Go out there. I mean, some of these five-star Grand Prix matches, if you put that on a dynamite, they would have gotten over. Yeah. These people are talent. They're very talented. And these matches, as I said, are not long. We're talking, you know, 10 minutes, 34 seconds. The next match, uh, you know, 1309. The longest match was 15 minutes. It could happen, but seemingly no one's interested. I mean, better for us in Joshi because the people get to stay. But for someone like Momo Watanabe, it'd be nice to have a place to go, even for three months. I'm not yeah. saying they're going to the Just United States. Just go away and, and then there. freshen up in your home market where it's like, oh, yeah, we forgot about her. It was nice. Uh, bring her back. But, uh, some, you, know. you know, if we bring in Suzu Suzuki into AEW... Taylor, what, what are we going to do with Serena Deeb? She needs TV time. What are we going to do with her? She needs as much TV time as possible. Is the greatest wrestler who has ever lived. Remember Serena that Deeb. time I got so mad in the Slack because Serena Deeb was ranked the 37th best wrestler in the world by Fighting Spirit Magazine? Remember that every time Serena Deeb has ever had a good match in AEW, it's been because she's in the ring with someone who's very good. Yeah. Yeah, remember that time she had that match with Riho and everyone was like, Serena Deeb is incredible. <laughs> yep, of course. That's the main thing I'm thinking of. But anyway, this is not an AEW podcast, but suffice it to say, it would be great if there was a place Momo Watanabe could go. 
where she would be featured. As I mentioned, she's still young. She could go somewhere for five years and come back to stardom and still be under 30 years old. And this isn't an AEW podcast, but I will take any opportunity to dump on uh, Serena Deeb and her Marty Skrull loving ass. The next match was Amy Sore finishing with 11 points, defeating Saya Kamatani. Well, no. Rewind. Amy <laughs> Sore and Saya Kamatani going to a double countout in 8 minutes and 21 seconds. My nitpick is this isn't the first double countout of this thing. In my opinion, if you get double counted out, both people should get zero points. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's like, yeah, you go to a draw. I think that's fine. You both get one point. But if it's double double count out, you don't get any. To me, a double count out is not a draw. Yeah, it's a double count. out. <laughs> because that first time that happened, I don't even remember which show that was. Um, but I was sitting there updating my sheet and I'm like, a double count out is a draw, right? Because in my mind, it should be you both get zero. <laughs> yeah, you counted yourself out. Regardless, this was a fairly quick match. I sort of liked that they that they had a number of different outcomes on this show. You know, they had the double countout. They had the draw. They had some matches that were very quick, which we'll talk about in a second. So I liked the variety, especially on this show that had so many matches. I think really no surprise for me, Sayakamatani finishing with 14 points. Um, you know, not at all surprising to me finishing in that sort of grouping of higher placed wrestlers in the blue block. Amy Sore, I think 11 points for her. She went five, six and one. She had that, obviously the draw we just talked about the double count out. I think for her is a solid start to me. You know, she was in a fairly stacked block. I think the blue block was pretty well stacked um, more in my mind than the red block. You know, she finished near the bottom, but she finished above Mina. She finished fairly close to Momo and Natsupoy only one point off. So I think a solid sort of start shows that they do see something in her. You know, I guess the fear would be she comes into this tournament and she does go something like two and 10 or three and nine. But five, six, and one, I think, is a solid start. Yeah. Uh, it, I didn't realize until looking at this that Saya had two draws because she still ended up with an even number. That's right. She finished on 14 with, with two draws, which is two points. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I thought this was fine. You, you got to do matches, match finishes like this sometimes just for the points to work out right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think Amy ending up there is good for her. Uh, Saya is pretty much finished where I expected. Uh, yeah, no, this is kind of a just... It happened. <laughs> I don't really have any opinion on this match or where these two finished. Besides, like, yeah, that's that seems about right. The next match, Mayu Iwatani defeating Starlight Kid in 13 minutes and 9 seconds. Mayu finishing with 15 points. Starlight Kid finishing just behind her with 14 points. This was one of my favorite matches of the show. I think probably in the top three, in my top three matches of the show quality-wise. I think Starlight Kid, of course, 
very unsurprisingly from a in-ring quality perspective, I think had one of the better tournaments out of this whole field. I just think that she's on a roll doing great. She finished slightly lower than I thought. It never really felt to me, I think hurt by the fact that she was in the block with Julia who felt like the obvious winner you know, Hazuki got off to that such a strong start. It never really felt like she was in the fight to win the block, really. For me, I know she was close in the last few days. She was near the top, you know, finishes with 14 points, two points off the lead. I just, I guess I would have liked to see her maybe end up in that group of 15, get a little bit closer. Um, But I think a very solid tournament for her and Mayu Iwatani, really nothing surprising. She finishes with 15, uh, seven, four and one record for her, maybe uh, one more loss than I thought she might get. She clearly is getting to the point, I think in stardom's mind where she can, I think, start taking a few more losses of which I think is good. I think it will be very valuable for them, but really no surprise for me. As we talked about on the preview show, she has finished, I think, no worse than third in every five-star Grand Prix she's ever been in. So no surprise to see her near the top. Yeah, I feel like they finished just about where I kind of thought they would. Mayu, you know, obviously she's going to be up there. I think Starlight Kid finished about as well as you could expect for her in the company right now. Because while I do think I do think they value her and see her as a fairly big name, I still don't think they see her at the point where she could be like a singles champion yet. Like aside from a high speed, I mean that obviously, but I don't think they see her where she could be like, I don't think she could beat Saya as much as that sucks. And I wish she would, but so I think she had a pretty good tournament. I think she finished as well as she could have. Uh, I thought this match was great. These two always have incredible chemistry and this was just another great match they had uh i went three and three quarters on this one really liked it i i also think it's sort of a weird tournament in that the julia win was for last year and then there was the injury yeah which i think sort of derailed i don't think clearly derailed that plan last year but sort of things are still happening outside of that but then of course this year was the year to sort of be like now we're gonna do the julia win she's healthy again so i think that also sort of puts a cap on some of this where i think if julia won last year she may at this point be the world of stardom champion had she not gotten injured and then i think this sort of may have played out slightly differently i don't know how that is but i think also sort of fitting that in you know, for me, knowing Julia was going to win the blue block, I think took out a lot of the sort of suspense of this block. Mm-hmm. For me, I think the red block, even though it had maybe slightly less talent, was a bit more suspenseful as to who would emerge out of that block seemed less obvious to me. So that also is sort of a just something to something to think about, something to ponder. The next match, speaking of Julia, was Julia 
going to a 15-minute time limit draw with Suzu Suzuki. Julia winning the block, winning the blue block with 16 points. Suzu Suzuki with a great finish to the tournament, finishing very close behind 15 points. I mean, really, I have to give it to stardom because I thought that this was really... Great booking. It's like very obvious booking, you know, going into the final day, having it be Julia and Suzu. And yet sometimes the obvious booking is the correct one. Oh, for sure. And her going up with Suzu Suzuki, you know, didn't win. So you have that sort of down the line, but getting enough to get past her into the finals and then having Tom there to sort of renew that rivalry and get her win to move on, I thought was really simple, concise, logical booking that I really enjoyed. And it was also helped by, I think this was the best match of all the non-finals matches of the night. I I would go a step further and say this was the best match of the entire tournament. I loved this match. Uh, I thought, it, like, from a storytelling perspective, it was incredible. And I really, I remember this is this match is why I thought Hazuki might have a shot because I thought there was a chance that Suzu would upset Julia and ha- knock her out of the finals on this night. So that's why, that was my big sticking point on why I thought Hazuki had a shot. But obviously that didn't happen. Uh, but yeah, this match, I thought this match was incredible. I loved in the early goings of the match that it looked like Julia was really doing her best to not hurt Suzu. Like she was just kind of going for holds. And just wasn't really striking or anything and was kind of going slow about it. But Suzu is just fighting with everything she had. And eventually Julia realizes, I can't keep doing this. This girl's going to kill me. I want to win this tournament. So she had to give it everything she had to. And just great action throughout. Really gave Suzu a ton of shine. Uh, I loved the finish of the match where they go to the time limit draw. And it's just Julia hugging Suzu to try and get her to stop hitting her. Because Suzu's the the Suzu's the little sister that got left behind, and she's mad at her older sister for leaving her and going off to do other things. Just an incredible visual to wrap this up, and I can't wait for whatever comes next for these two. I really, really, really hope they have some sort of follow up. Uh, I went four and a half stars. Like I said, this was my favorite match of the entire tournament. Uh, incredible showing for the in the tournament for Suzu. I'm really happy for her that she got to have like this high of a finish in the tournament because early in the early going, I it it didn't look great for her at first. And I mean, I know she had a later start in the tournament than everyone else, so like looking at the numbers, it was kind of rough. But hey, she finished strong and really, really had a great tournament. And of course, Julia went on to win, so she had a fantastic tournament as well. Yeah, Suzu with the COVID stuff and then coming out the gates, I think she was 0-2 or 0-3, I don't quite remember. It sort of felt like, oh, okay, she's just sort of here to fill a number and then started really, you know, doing that thing that I just talked about with Azuki. She won a bunch of her matches to finish the tournament. She, of course, finishes with this match, which also has the benefit of being more than just another tournament match. It has Mm -hmm. a story and it just felt like that momentum of like, she's winning a lot. You know, she doesn't win this match, but she goes to a time limit draw with the person who ends up 
winning the whole thing. Yeah, at you that know, point, that's that's not a loss. <laughs> like, it's not a win, but it's also not a loss. I mean, I am expecting, I don't know if this will happen. Many things could happen between now and then. I am assuming at this point, Julia is going to win the title. Yes. That's sort of assumption number one. She has and to. I'm assuming that they are going to have a match. I think that's what this time limit draw also sets up is that she says, well, we went to a time limit draw. I want a title match. And that gets you the big, you know, I think if Julia just comes in here and wins, it's a nice sort of cap of the story. And it's like, okay, they finally did this. They could have told the story of her winning, but I think the time limit draw gives you one final step with even bigger stakes, which is the title, which I think is the right move. Like I said, I think this is all booked very well. I think, some of the prominence stardom stuff has not been booked perfectly. Some of that may be down to people's schedules, working that out. It felt at times sort of stop and start, but we've now reached the point where now this is what we want to see. They did sort of step. I don't know what step this would be. They did this step correctly. And the next step is the big step which I think they've set up very well to have a big match that I think people will want to see. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Like I, I, I can't wait for that. I, I know they won't do a death match, but I'd love if they do a death match. You know, Julia would just love to smash some tubes. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if they would. I feel like the fans would not, not us fans. Cause I know we would like it, but. Uh, other fans would not like that. Yeah. I, I would like it. But yeah, I just thought the 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 clear, you know, I would have to go through. It would probably end up very close to the top. I would have to look at all the other matches that happened in the tournament and refresh what I gave everyone. But very close and very clearly the best of this of this night. Uh, the next match was Unagi Sayaka defeating Momokogo in 5 minutes and 24 seconds. Both Unagi and Momo finish at the bottom of the red block, tied on four points. Of course, Unagi getting the tiebreaker because she won the head-to-head. Uh, I was very confused when this match came out why this match was happening at this point in the card. (laughs) It felt very weird. I was like, there are no stakes to this match. Of course, I realized then it was to get Unagi past Momokogo and out of the basement of this block. But I was like, what a strange placement. Of course, then it was very quick. And I thought, okay, it's a little bit of variety to have a, a quick match in between all these matches that are sort of getting longer at that point i mean i think unagi is one of the stories of the tournament two and ten i mean terrible yeah terrible and really the one finish in the whole tournament the one wrestler to me where i'm sort of shocked that she was so low it's strange she like it really felt like she was an afterthought where just by the end they're like oh i guess we're only having our win too Oh, well. And 
you know, we talked about Mina that I was like, you know, not a great finish, but five and seven, you're close to 500, but two and 10, I'm like, I don't know. Do they just see her as, okay, she's comedy. She had her chance in the spotlight. She, you know, challenged for some titles. Now we just need her closer to the bottom of the ladder here. It was just very confusing. There also is this effect of, you know, Momo Kogo joining the tournament late uh, as a replacement. Would that have been, I mean, if that, if Momokogo is not there at two and 10, is Unagi like at the bottom of the block all by herself? Yeah, I don't know. It It's really strange because it feels like she should be slotted in the exact same position as uh, Mina. Like they feel equal. So it's, I don't know why there's such a disparity between the two and their points. Yeah, I'm just like, if Tekla is in this tournament, I'm imagining she's not finishing two and 10. I don't know. Maybe my Sakurai loses. Maybe my Sakurai is the replacement who goes two and 10. And, you know, Tekla goes four and seven and one like my went. I don't know. Maybe that's the case, but it just, fe- it was the, like I said, the one shocking result. I'm not really sure where Unagi goes from now. She feels sort of put into this, as we'll talk about, later on the show into this comedy cosmic rules sort of thing, even more than Mina. And it's like, has that focus on the sort of return to focus of like, Ooh, la la, we're, you know, squirting water guns is Rossi just sort of like, well, she's good there. So she doesn't have to win any matches. He's filling out his ballot for the coolest boobs award and just, look in between Unagi and Hoshitango and he's like, well, I don't know which one yet, but she's up there right now. (laughs) 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 But anyway, uh, so I think we're in agreement sort of the, I guess I also am most interested to see where she goes from here. I guess that's a benefit. A lot of these people, I'm like, yeah, you finish where you should, and we'll continue as always. What's going to happen with Unagi? Who knows? Yeah. The next match, uh, reading the match result, might take longer than the match itself. (laughs) Saki Kashima defeating Azumi in 44 seconds. Saki Kashima finishing with 12. Azumi finishing with 14 points. Uh, I, I like this match. I thought it was fun. I thought that they started sort of with the classic. Uh, I'm going to pin you really quick. Obviously, Saki Kashima, the master of the flash pin. So trying to pin each other quick. But usually in that style match, they try that a couple times. It's like, it didn't work. And then they have an eight-minute match. And I like that it still ended even after a couple pin attempts with a flash pin. Uh, Saki Kashima, what can you say? 12 points. Sure. Um, Yeah, maybe a little higher than I expected. But sort of not out of line with sort of the purpose she served of she could beat anyone at any point and she sort Mm -hmm. of evens up and she can give people losses where you're not thinking, oh my God, what a disaster. Yeah, like Azumi loses nothing from losing that match. Yeah, and Azumi finishes with 14 points, a solid 
finish for her. She finishes in the clump of 14 point finishers, uh, two points off the lead. So I thought a very solid, you know, a solid tournament for her. And what else is there to say about Saki? Yeah, it's, this is exactly kind of, this is exactly what you picture in your head with a Saki match. Like it's kind of the ideal version of it where it's just, Oh, that, that was fun. On to the next thing. The next thing was Koguma defeating Utami in six minutes and one second. Uh, Koguma finishing with 14 points. Utami finishing with 14 points. It did start to feel in the middle of the show like they all of a sudden realized, oh God, we have a lot of matches to get through. Yeah. (laughs) And these matches are going to go very fast. This one, 601. I mean, for me, Koguma finishing with 14 points got to be seen as pretty good for her. Um, Yeah, I didn't think she'd end up that high. And Utami, 14 points. One of those sort of like Starlight Kid, maybe slightly lower than I would have thought. But still in the realm of it keeps her in it. Still feels like an important person without... It doesn't feel like she gained anything or lost anything from this at the end of the day. Nah, she is just coasting on through. And then uh, we had the post-match attack. Yeah, she clearly has been moved down from the very top level to sort of the next level down. It doesn't feel like she has a ton of purpose, but not necessarily in a big negative way. Yeah, no, like right now, Utami's biggest thing is pretending to be Tom, which is funny. I like that. (laughs) But like, that's the biggest thing she's done in quite a while, it feels like. Uh, but apparently she's going into a feud with, uh, Natsuka Tora, which, uh, good luck with that. Probably the most least exciting, uh, reveal we've had in a while when she came out dressed like, uh, one of the Grim Reapers. I thought, like, you was bringing the, uh, the Grim Reaper gimmick into main canon, uh, stardom, but that's sure not what happened. No, you is stardom legends, not stardom canon. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> at this point, with many other wrestlers that I would rather see than Natsuko Toro. Yeah, really, really disappointing reveal. <laughs> it is interesting to see. I think we have talked about this as well to see where she slots because it does feel like stardom has largely passed her by in the time that she's been out. Um, And I didn't even think she was very advanced when she wasn't starting the first time. Yeah, no, Uh, there's not the first time, but you know, before she got injured. Yeah. She's, I, I don't, I don't, I don't see the value in keeping her around to be honest. Uh, I can't disagree with you there. Like, what do you get? from Natsuko Tora that you don't already get from Ruaka. <laughs> like, they just slotted her in and it's pretty much the same at this point. Well, I guess we'll have to see. Maybe she'll prove both of us wrong. Maybe she'll come in and have great matches. A barn burner with Utami. <laughs> the next match 
Tom Nakino defeating Saki in 7 minutes and 36 seconds. Tom Nakino finishing with 16 points and winning the red block. Saki finishing with a solid 10 points, 5 and 7. Tom, obviously, good for her. She wins the block, so certainly stock up for her. Um, Sort of the continuation. She feels... I mean, to me, Siri, Julia, Starlight Kid, Tom, I mean, those feel like the hottest people in the company to me. Yeah. Um, certainly. So she continues that here. And I think Saki, five and seven, you know, a quote unquote outsider, even though she has been in the company a lot, she's affiliated with Cosmic Angels in a way. You know, 10 points, I think, is a. Very good finish. Uh, yeah. Why do I think Saki as a singles wrestler is so much more boring than her compared to being like a tag wrestler where I actually enjoy her work quite a bit? I, I don't understand. It. It's like they're two different people when I'm watching the shows. And like, I don't think she's a bad singles wrestler. I just think she's so boring. Just none of her matches click with me at all. Like I thought this match was just incredibly unremarkable in every way. <laughs> well, some people are better tag wrestlers than singles wrestlers. Yeah. But do you see it? Like, does it register to you at all? Or I don't know. I have never been over the moon moon wasaki in either sort of context. Okay. I don't think she's I don't think she's bad in any way, but I just think that she's a fine. Like she was in this tournament, she finishes five and seven. I'm like, yep, a, a suitable number for this tournament who sort of was fine. Mm-hmm. I guess, you know, someone who, you know, if all of a sudden they were like, oh, Colors is leaving stardom, we're done with stardom, I'd sort of be like, oh, all right. Yeah, it, uh, it got- wouldn't hurt the company in any way. <laughs> Yeah, but she comes out and I'm not like, oh, God, another yeah. Saki, you know, like, oh, gosh, Saki's here. You know, I just sort of don't have strong feelings. Yeah, no, that's fair. The next match, the second to last of the block matches on this show, Himika and Micah both finish with 15 points. After a double KO in 9 minutes and 57 seconds, a very unique finish. Micah sold it like she had literally been killed. Uh, (laughs) She literally was lying on the mat, eyes closed, not moving. Uh, I I really liked the finish. I thought it was a very unique finish. Um, I sort of like Himika and Micah. It's sort of... Uh, interesting to me, as I mentioned earlier, to see where they're slotted. They finished much higher than I think I would have thought if you had asked me sort of just watching the tournament and not keeping track of the numbers where they had finished. I probably would say lower than 15 points, which was um, second in the block, tied for second in the block. I don't know. Just to me, it just feels like they're good wrestlers who are there, but don't get a lot of focus even though they did get a lot of, they finished they both finished seven four and one 
So they are getting focused, but it still feels like they aren't getting focused. If, like, if I never thought sense. there was ever a chance they were winning. Like, I don't yeah, think, I think they, they, is, they weren't coming out yeah. of the block as the winner. Like, that just wasn't happening. So, but it's like they're positioned pretty high up, but it's just like I never saw them as threats to Tom, you know? And they feel so connected. I mean, even here to finish a double KO finish, tying, both finishing with 15 points. They feel so connected. They came into the company sort of around the same time-ish. You know, they've tagged together before um, as a very successful tag team. So I don't know. Just something about it. I mean, as I said, the numbers say that they did very well. But just to me, there's something that just seems like they're not. I think it's what you said in that I never really felt, oh, one of them is going to win this block because which one yeah don't know <laughs> they're sort of it but they're like interchangeable now in my mind it's like oh micah and himika this group of two wrestlers who are on the same level uh yeah i don't know yeah it's weird because it's like they neither feels like they'll rise above being like a tag champion you know I think they're just solid singles hands that they'll keep around and they'll be booked strongly in tournaments like this. But when it comes to being a potential title challenger, I don't really think there's any sort of threat of them winning the big match. So there there was no chance of them coming out of this block. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. The final block match of the evening, Risa Sarah defeating Suri in 12 minutes and 11 seconds. Risa Sarah finishing with 15 points. Suri finishing just shy of that with 14 points. Uh, a very good showing for Risa Sarah finishing with 15 points, very near the top of the block. I think higher than I would have predicted probably by at least 
one or two wins. Mm-hmm. Uh, a good sort of, I thought was a good opponent to sort of knock Shuri out and keep her out of the finals, which clearly was the goal with this. I thought that they had an interesting, I thought this was an interesting match. Wrestled slightly different because that's sort of the way that Shuri is. You can sort of do a different style match with her because she has the more submission-based offense. So I thought a very good sort of cap to the blocks of the five-star Grand Prix. Yeah, this is a weird match to me. Like, I wanted to like it more than I did. I thought it started off really strong uh, and then kind of lost steam in the middle and then picked up again when it looked like Sarah was going for the closing stretch, like where it ended with her crazy knees off the top rope on Siri. But then Siri kicked out and it kind of started to drag again. And then it just ended. So, like, it it's weird. I liked parts of it, but I really thought a lot of it wasn't that good so i i don't know i thought it was fine but disappointing ultimately uh and like you said i think sarah was the perfect person to knock off siri here because she just has a bit of credibility to her that's like okay yeah that's fine and i don't think she'll get a title challenge out of this because i would assume julia's probably the next challenger right like that's or would they do another challenge before then i would assume i mean i don't no, but I would assume yeah. that that's the next challenge. I don't even know when the next big show is. They're not going to make Julia defend her title shot like it's New Japan, right? They might. Didn't they do that yeah. last year? I think they might have. I think they did. I think Siri had at least two. Def- I think. Oh, God, you're right. She did. Did she have two? Yeah. Or she might have had one and then the one got canceled and then she did it again or something. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not remembering right. this exactly, but um, yeah, she did. hate that. Shit. Because we're going into at the end of the month is going to be the tag league. Yeah. Um, you know, woohoo, the tag league. <laughs> but hope you guys um, like leagues. Now there's two people instead of one on each side. Yeah. So, um, uh, I would assume Julia probably will defend it. Gross. I would think. Yeah. So we'll we'll get another match with her and Hazuki. That'll be good at the very least. But yeah. And then I guess that gives time for Siri to defend against Risa Sarah and get her win back there. And I also think part of this was this was the 12th match on this show that had 13 matches on it. And, you know, I think at this point, also, largely, I was sort of like, you know. Yeah, the this whole, is the where tournament I as a whole. A break. But, yeah, the tournament as a whole, but also just this show. I was like, this is a lot of matches. Mm-hmm. So, but the final match of the show, the five star Grand Prix 2022 final match, Julia defeating Tom Nakano in 17 minutes and 28 seconds to become the winner of the 2022 five-star Grand Prix. I really liked this match. I thought it was great. I thought it was another really good match in this series of Julia and Tom. I thought that they went out. It was hard hitting. They really delivered some great strikes, kicks, the the kick sequence on the ground, some really great moves. And it was only 17 minutes and 28 seconds. My big fear was that they were going to do a final match that was going to be like 35 minutes. Yes. <laughs> Um, that they were going to go out and be like, we're going to do an epic. And it just felt like they were in there. The pace was very good. 
it kept up. There wasn't those long lags of like, oh, big move. Oh, we're lying around. We're lying around. They just went in. They hit the moves, got through it. Julia winning. So I thought it was really good. I went four and a quarter star. That's exactly where I'm at uh, with this one. Four and a quarter. Uh, I thought it was really good. I liked how... This also had more kind of character development for Julia in the beginning when she was the one to offer the handshake to Tom. We're kind of this take that along with the Suzu match and we're kind of seeing more of a forgiving side to Julia's character that I don't think we would have seen like a year or so ago. So I thought that was cool. Um, the match was a, like you said, it was kept at a really good pace. Uh, thankfully, they didn't go over 30 minutes or whatever this was a decent length so i was really happy about that lots of cool spots i really enjoyed uh tom doing the run down the ramp for the knee strike <laughs> that was a lot of fun uh but overall it was just like a really satisfying conclusion to the tournament so that is that the 2022 five-star grand prix has come to a close we're going to talk a little bit more stardom but before we do we want to tell you all about the sponsor of this week's episode, and that is HelloFresh. You might be saying, what is HelloFresh? Well, with HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. And let me tell you where I am. It's starting to get cold. We're starting to get into fall. And sometimes you just feel less like going out, like going to the grocery store. You don't want to have to put on a coat. You don't want to have to put on your woolly socks and your big shoes and go to the grocery store. And with HelloFresh, you don't have to because they will deliver it right to you. And best of all, HelloFresh will work with your schedule. The plans are flexible. You can change your meal preferences, update your delivery day, and even change your address with just a few taps on the HelloFresh app. So if this is interesting to you, if you want some great meals delivered right to your doorstep, go to HelloFresh.com VOW16 and use the code VOW16 for 16 free meals across seven boxes and three free gifts. That's right. Go to HelloFresh.com slash VOW16 and use the code VOW16 for 16 free meals across seven boxes and three free gifts. That's HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. And let's go back into stardom, a quick move through the show from September 25th, Stardom in Showcase Volume 2 started out with two five-star Grand Prix matches, Hanan defeating Saya Suzu Suzuki defeating Starlight Kid in a match that I thought was very good. But Stardom in Showcase proper started with an anywhere fall count four-way match between Azumi, Mayu Iwatani, Ram Kaichou, and Micah. Kelly, what did you think of this match? Uh, this was a ton of fun. Uh, it It's as dumb as I wanted it to be. There was just so much cocaine. Everyone was just covered in it. It was just, just four scar, scar faces running around. Uh, my, 
Mayu's bump down the stairs was absurd. <laughs> like just tumbling down and just why would you do that to yourself? But no one but Mayu. Uh this this was a lot of fun. I went three and three quarters. I enjoyed it a lot. Uh what what did you think? Yeah, I also thought it was very good. I was sort of excited when they went into the inflatable whatever dog or whatever that was uh, with the balloons inside. I did think for a minute that they were going to have the pin in there among the balloons and that someone would get just pinned. It would get counted and then Daichi would like pop up and just be like, the match is over. Yeah, Uh, I counted this pin. No one else could see it because of all the balloons, but it did count. Um, Yeah. Mayu taking the stair bump head first. And then I think realizing that was a bad idea (laughs) and like switching to just rolling down the stairs was very funny to me. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, uh, some maybe DDT copyright infringement using the bicycle at one point. Uh, (laughs) And then three people winning the match. Yeah. Uh, Micah losing. Uh, to the other three. Uh, yeah, but I thought it was a ton of fun. I thought it was a really good start to sort of the showcase part of the show. Obviously, the Suzu match, I think, probably was not planned to be on this show because it was supposed to be a match that happened when Suzu had COVID. But it was good that they had a slot that they could put that match into. The next match, which I have to say to lead off, Uh, looking at the cage match for the results. The worst match rating I think I've ever seen for a stardom match. Uh, (laughs) 2.5 out of 10. For this match, the Cosmic Rules three-way tag team match, the Cosmic Angels team of Natsupoi and Tom Nakino, and Hikari Shimizu and Saki, and Mina Shirakawa, defeating Unagi Saika by disqualification. In 13 minutes and 49 seconds. I feel the same exact way I did the last time we talked about the Cosmic Rules match. I don't like this match, and I'm going to leave it there. I'm sorry to disappoint everyone, but I forgot to watch this. I I was going through the show, and I got, to this, I, yeah, I got to this match, and I was like, I'll come back to this later. I just want to get through this show. I don't feel like watching the pervert match now. And then I just forgot to come back to it later. And I'm only realizing this now when I'm looking at my notes and I have pervert match written down and there's nothing next to it. So I'm sorry, everybody. As always, Kelly is too pure. I know the cosmic rules match. I do appreciate that. This is the second match in a row where everyone beat one person. Well, I was going to say that the, show results that were posted said that Daichi, that Unagi ripped Daichi's shirt off. Yeah, I need to go back and see that. Well, if you go back on Stardom World, that part is not in the video file. What? Too explicit? And I thought, oh, Kelly will have a lot to say about that. How are you going (sighs) to... What what, what are they trying to hide? I believe the issue is that, and I think on stardom world most of these matches uh have no entrances or yeah there's no entrances and the match pretty much ends right after the bell 
Yes, I think that's probably due to the DJ music that played, and they figured rather than mute, they would just cut the video file off. So I think that that is probably what happened. Damn it, DJ Pretty um, Dragon. But this match, as I said, I guess I'm the only one reviewing it now. Uh, <laughs> look, I don't like it. I'm gl- I'm sort of glad to see the 27 people who voted on uh, Cage Match somewhat agree with me. 2.5. I don't need to see this. I, I, I just, I don't need to see it. I'm good. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the next match was a hardcore tag team match. The team of Julia and Rina Yamashita defeating the Oedo Tai team of Momo Watanabe and Ruaka Kelly. What did you think of this match? Uh, I thought it was fine. I thought there was some good parts, but a lot of it just kind of dragged and, didn't land uh ruaka hitting julia with the ungimmicked guitar looked like it sucked a whole lot (laughs) like and that's a clearly ungimmicked guitar because there was even like you could see the little part where you plug it into an amp (laughs) like they just went to a store and bought a guitar and it was like this is fine this this will work just fine (laughs) yeah i think it's tough on the show even though the falls count anywhere match is not a hardcore match. I think having that style match and this on the same show and sort of close to each other is tough, you know? Yeah. I, Rena did well. I thought she was really good on here. So I'd like to see more of her in stardom. Uh, but yeah, this, this match was kind of just whatever it was. It was fine. And then the main event was a Captain's Fall six-person tag team match. The Grim Reaper army of you, the first Grim Reaper, and the new Grim Reapers, Nanai Takahashi and Yuna Manase, defeating the Rossi Ogawa bodyguard army (laughs) of Lady C, Shuri, and Utami in 22 minutes and 34 seconds. And let me tell you, it was a long 22 minutes and 34 seconds. That's I thought this I... sucked. <laughs> it dragged so much. I couldn't get into this match at all. And every time there was what I thought was going to be the final pinfall, I got upset when someone kicked out. It just lasted a long time. Yeah. Like I was sitting there watching it and I was like, this thing is still going. This And this thing is still going. And it kept going and going and going. It felt like 40 minutes. Uh, so overall, Kelly, what were your thoughts on the second volume of Stardom and Showcase? I think I enjoyed the first one more, but I mean, I didn't watch the pervert match, so maybe I would have enjoyed this one more if I had. We'll, we'll see. But overall, I thought the first one was better. This one was fine. The matches were whatever. Uh, I think the hardcore tag from the first one was better because that was. Or was that on a New Blood show? I can't remember. But there was a Julia and Mai versus Suzu. That was and... on the first one. That was on the okay. first one. Yeah, that I, I think that match was so much better than anything else on this card. So I think that brought down this one for me. So, yeah, it was just kind of a whatever show, I thought. Yeah, I also think it sort of lost some of the novelty of like, what is this? Oh, Mm -hmm. what's a Cosmic Rules match? Oh, what is um, Power and Tower? Like, Power and Tower match. Yeah, it's kind of exactly the same show for the most part. Just not as good, though. 
Yeah, I guess I'm, you know, I guess I'm interested to see the third one just to see if they're just going to keep iterating the same stuff. Yeah, like do um, they do another Cosmic Rules match, another Hardcore Tag, and another Grim Reaper thing? <laughs> oh, and another just, False Count Anywhere. It feels like there's, I mean, especially with the Cosmic Rules, not really anywhere to go with it. No. And like seemingly no one cosmic besides rules, Cosmic yeah. Angels wants to be involved in it. But it's like we've sort of seen what the bit is. The bit is they're wearing bikinis. They shoot each other with super soakers. They go backstage. They come out in towels. The match ends. It's like, and I Rossi guess the first one was a cartoon wolf with his eyes popping out of his head. The first one was a three-way. This was a sort of tag. Three-way. Three-way, I guess. <laughs> it's the same but, show. <laughs> hey, maybe next time it will be a nine-person yeah, uh, a trio's three-way made. Cosmic Rules. Eventually, the show will just be one giant Cosmic Rules matches with three teams of like uh, of like 10 Oh, people. Cosmic Rules uh, World War Three match. Great. Get three, get, you know, multiple rings in here. <laughs> three rings uh, everyone in white shirts with super soakers so many people you've never seen before just showing up randomly <laughs> but anyway that was stardom in showcase Aichi's gonna be two. so wet <laughs> what else happened in the world of joshi wrestling in the last two weeks seedling had a show asuka and makoto defeating Ayame Sasamura and Riko Kaiju to retain their Beyond the Sea tag titles. They are the second longest reigning Beyond the Sea tag champions, although they are almost 200 days behind the longest reign. So quite a long way to go. Ice Ribbon, the big news, Yuki Mashiro announcing she is retiring at the Ice Ribbon, the big Ice Ribbon show on New Year's Eve. Sad to see another Ice Ribbon talent leaving the company. They just seem to not be able to catch a break. Uh, they had a big show on September 24th. Hikaru Shida and Ibuki Hoshi defeated Hamako Hoshi and Makoto to win the tag titles. Yuki Mashiro, even though she's retiring, retained her Triangle Ribbon title. And Sayori Ano defeated CMLL Stephanie Vakur to retain the Ice Infinity title. They also, the very next day, had an Ice Ribbon CMLL joint show. Dalis defeated Tehanma to retain the Ice Ribbon CMLL championship, a belt that I didn't know about. Dalis won it on a ladies' <laughs> ring show in January of 2020, beating Mina Shirakawa. <laughs> For the title. That's how long ago that show was. Uh, so I found that funny. Kelly, um, I know that you have some Chuckle Pro news for us. I do. Uh, so I'm way behind on like everything. So I haven't watched any Chuckle Pro since the last episode. So that's some of the stuff I'll be tweeting about when I do watch it. That along with a pre- uh, prominence show that happened recently. Uh, but the big news is, is that Yuna Mizumori is exiting the company. Uh, she's done everything she can do in Choco Pro and Gato Move and is moving on uh, to where I don't think we know yet. 
but yeah, uh, she'd be a great pickup for pretty much any company, really. Uh, Tokyo Joshi would be my top pick for where I would like to see her end up, but I wouldn't be surprised to see her pop up in stardom too. Maybe she could be a fourth Grim Reaper. Who knows? So that is everything that happened in the last two weeks of Joshi, but what is coming up in Joshi? Stardom, after finishing the five-star Grand Prix, is going to take it easy for a little bit. They have some house shows coming up. And then closer to the end of the month, they have New Blood 5, and then the Tag League will start at the end of the month. Oz Academy has two shows coming up on October 10th. One of the big matches on that show, a singles match, Aja Kong versus Sayori Yano. And on the 16th, Akino will defend the Oz Academy title against Hiroyo Matsumoto. But the biggest show coming up in the next two weeks of Joshi is Tokyo Joshi's Wrestle Princess 3, which will happen on October 9th. Here is the rundown of that card. The first match, I should say, these are the matches. Uh, this may not be the order of the matches on the card. That running order has not been announced yet. A six-person tag, Aja Kong, teaming with her best friend Raku. Hell yeah. And Palm Harajuku to take on Rika Tatsumi, Yuki Aino, and the returning Max the impaler kelly who do you think emerges on top in the battle of the giants i don't know you you also have to know it max the impaler teaming with their best friend yuki aino calling back to their their previous tag team so that's right good to see them back together um i don't know i don't think i mean max is strong but i don't think you can beat the power of aja kong and raku together Friendship is the most powerful thing. The next match, a singles match, Mizuki will take on Hyper Masao. I'm imagining this will be another classic Hyper Masao match. What what kind of hijinks do you think they'll get into, Kelly? I don't know, but I'm kind of thinking that maybe Mizuki wins this and uses it as an excuse to get a title shot. very well could be yeah like i think this might be a more serious match and just around the corner even though it seems far away is the january 4th show where we Mm -hmm. will need a title challenger yep the next match a tag match of the now frequently tagging mocha miyamoto and juria nagano will take on ariso endo and kaya torabami so a big group of the younger wrestlers who do you think wins this one, Kelly? Uh, I think Mocha pins Toribami. That's that's what I'm going with. I'm going to say, I'll be contrarian and say Endo pins Miyamoto. Okay. We'll yeah, see, think... but that should be, I mean, a good match considering it's Four very young wrestlers. I'm like, oh, that should be a very good match. Yeah. No, I'm a, I'm looking forward to that. I'm I'm glad that Miyamashita's karate children are continuing to team together. 
The next match, Yuki Kamafuku, Mahiro Kiryu, and Haruna Neko will take on the Actress Girls alumnus team of Naokakuda, Yuna Manase, and Yoshiko Hasegawa. This one, uh, the left, I would say the left side of this, the Tokyo Joshi side, feels like a get some people on the card type team. But the right side is interesting with some people that we don't often see in Tokyo Joshi, Yuna Manase, Yoshiko Hasegawa, people we don't see all that often in Tokyo Joshi. Yeah. Uh, Taylor, I got to tell you, I don't I don't give a shit about this match right now because I just remembered. Uh, what is your final ruling on Mahiro Kiryu? <gasps> oh, my God. I that I, <laughs> you just reminded me that I never watched that tag match. No, <laughs> I literally meant to watch it. And then I guess I got caught up in other things and I didn't watch it. <laughs> All right, well, got to save it until the next time she has a big spot, and then you'll be able to decide. No, no, no. I'm going back, and I'm watching that match. Okay. (laughs) I will make a determination, but that will be part of my Wrestle Princess 3 review. Will be (laughs) the final, the final verdict. You reminded me. I meant to do that, and I totally forgot. I Well, I was going to lead off the show with asking you about that, and I totally forgot. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Wow. Uh, Yes, I will do that. We'll I look forward to next episode. Yeah, I blame it on the stardom five-star Grand Prix. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, but now that's over, so I have no excuse. Uh, yes, I will do that. Wow. I totally forgot about that. Um, well, so hopefully I'll be looking forward to this match and not dreading this match because hopefully I will have decided Mahiro Kiryu is very good. Uh, the next match is another singles match, a special singles match, Suzume. We'll take on Ryo Mizunami this match. I'm really looking forward to this match. I think this will be a great match and could be the sneaky match of the night. Yeah, this is a cool match. I'm excited to see what kind of chemistry these two have. The final non-title match of the night, the team of 1-2-1 million, Miyu Yamashita and Maki Ito, will take on the team of Riho. And Hikari Noah recently from the AEW Tokyo Game Awards show. Tokyo Game Show. <laughs> yes, sure. That. <laughs> uh, I figured you would know, so I just sort of said words. Uh, teaming up there, this should be, feel like a broken record, an excellent match. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to this. I'm always excited to see Riho when she randomly appears uh, on a show that I'm watching every about three to four months. Yeah, it's good to remember she exists. The first of the title matches is the international princess title, Alex Windsor, returning from England, the champion, to defend her title against recent hot property Miyu Watanabe. Kelly, do you think Miu wins the title off of Alex Windsor here? Yes. It seems weird to take the belt off of Windsor already because I do think there is more to do with her and she just hasn't been around, I guess, you know, doing other stuff. But, like, I don't feel like you can send out Miu and have her lose this match at this point. She's gotten 
she's gotten too powerful. Like I, I think she kind of. I feel like both of them have to win this match, so I don't know what what actually is going to happen. I think Miu wins. I think yeah, I feel you like had Windsor. I feel like you had Windsor win the title. She went back to England. She defended the title there. She'll be back in Japan. She gets another match, hopefully with her gear, uh, her full yeah. gear <laughs> on. Um, so it's sort of like she's gotten to do the things. And I think now Miu, as I said, on a bit of a hot streak, streak's probably not the right word, but feels like she's got some momentum behind her. So I feel, and I feel like she is not at the point yet where she's probably going to challenge and win the princess of princess title. So I think why not put the international princess title on her? Yeah, no, I think that that makes the most sense. The semi-main of the show is the Princess Tag Team title match, the champion Saki Akai and Yuki Arai defending against Rhea O'Reilly and Nightshade. I will admit, I know almost nothing about Rhea O'Reilly and Nightshade. Yeah, I don't know anything about these two. Uh, I feel like the online chatter that I've seen is one of not that much excitement but maybe i'm wrong (laughs) uh i didn't know much about alex windsor going into her match with maki ito and she really blew me away so maybe that will happen again uh in a big spot here in the semi-main of the biggest show of the year for tokyo joshi yeah hopefully and the main event a rematch of earlier this year Shoko Nakajima, the champion, will defend her Princess of Princess title against Yuka Sakazaki. And I'm going to call it here. I'm going to go first and say Yuka wins the title. Yeah, no, she has to. And then that leads into the Mizuki match and the January 4th show. We're on the same page, which means that isn't what will happen. Exactly. It'll be uh, Shoko Nakajima (laughs) versus Hyper Misao at the January 4th show. Whatever we say, think about the opposite, and that will be what will happen in Tokyo Joshi. Shit, they might do that. Because that's I mean, the, they, their big tradition. They, they always have the 1-4 show. Why not match at the 1-4 show? Why not do that for the big title? Oh, God, no. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> uh, Kelly's working himself up. Yep. Uh well, we'll have to see. Either way, should be an excellent show, and we will be reviewing it, no doubt, on the next episode Absolutely. of Jumping Bomb Audio. But what else is happening in the next two weeks? Sendai Girls has a show on October 10th. Shihiro Hashimoto and you, Team 200 Kilogram defends their tag team titles against Dash Chizako and Hiroyo Matsumoto. Uh, Wave has two shows on October 9th and 10th. Saki and Hikari Shimizu will defend the tag titles against Yuki Miyazaki and Sakura Hirota. If they win that match on the very next night, they will once again defend their tag titles against Yumi Oka and Kohaku. So that 
is what else is going on. Kelly, do you have anything else to say? Uh, let's see. What do I got? So big reason why I'm behind on everything is because last Sunday uh, on YouTube, Tim Rogers dropped a six hour long review of the Japanese exclusive video game, uh, Boku no Natsu, Yos- uh, Natsu Yasume, uh, which is Boku's summer vacation. Uh, and I watched every minute of that six hours last Sunday. It was a great way to spend my afternoon and evening. Uh, and I should have been watching wrestling in that time, but I didn't. So yeah, uh, if if you like weird Japanese games that we never got over here, watch that. It's a fun time. Now, Kelly, is that your movie review? Are you counting the six-hour yes. review as your movie? It's it's two feature-length films. <laughs> or one six-hour feature-length film. Exactly, yeah. Uh, all right, well, that is everything for us. As I said, next time we will be back reviewing the big Wrestle Princess 3 show. So until then, enjoy Joshi, and we will talk to you again in two weeks. Bye-bye. Goodbye, everybody. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.